This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wick and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark and Damien Farrar-Hockley. On this week's episode, we review Saturday's home draw against Burton, assess the squad as the transfer window prepares to slam shut, address concerns over home attendances and new kit fulfilment, and finally look ahead to upcoming fixtures against Bristol Rovers, as well as a side that we've not played in over 30 years. We kick off with the action from this past weekend as we faced Burton Albion, looking to build on our first win of the season. Much of what we saw was promising, Bloomfield's boys showing encouraging signs of improvement, dominating much of the game and creating a number of chances that on any other Saturday would have been put away had it not been for some great goalkeeping and a rugged and well-organised back line. Nil-nil the final score. Uh, Guys, frustrating not to end the Saturday hoodoo. What positives did you take from the game? frustrating is uh is the buzzword isn't it it was um i've never seen anything like it you know how many times have wickham been in the top three in the league for uh for possession by the way and uh and we haven't scored the positives for me i thought we moved the ball really well those combinations that i spoke about last week are starting to starting to come together there was some really nice work in the in the middle of the park i don't think we got the ball wide as much as we could have done I really thought that there was an opportunity to get in behind them, but they were very well organised defensively. Get the ball wide and get in behind them and sling it in the box. I can't work out whether Vokes is really confident or struggling for confidence because he just seems to be shooting from anywhere. And I don't know if that's desperation to try and get a goal or whether he's brimming with confidence and he genuinely thinks that he's going to score. And again, more frustrations. You know, why haven't we seen TJ? That would have been the perfect game for Debar to come on with 20 minutes to go get in that little hole that he likes to pick up between the midfield and the defence and run at people. And I don't understand why we're playing people out of position when we've got a perfectly capable striker sat on the bench with dust on his boots. I would say 75% positive. And again, like we said last week, you know, we're looking for an improvement every week and we've had that, but still frustrations there. And with with, with strikers, the capability of, 
of Vokes and Taylor, we've got to be taking advantage of those chances that we get and we've got to be putting a ball in the net. There is no excuse for a former Premier League player to be missing the amount of chances that Vokes he missed on Saturday. I love the guy and I'm sure he'll be the first one to uh, to admit that it wasn't good enough, but they've got to take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and say, have I done everything that I could have done today? And the effort was there. But, um, but that final little cherry on top, which is putting the ball in the back of the net, was uh, was frustratingly... A miss. I think the reason he was shooting from everywhere was because their goalkeeper has come from nowhere. He wasn't supposed to be. Re- we wouldn't have been playing if Blackburn was fit. And I even saw one of their fans on their social media call him a Sunday League goalkeeper. The fact that he's had the game of his life. I mean, it, it's, he, we've obviously been told to shoot at him. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm going to say frustrating. But I'm going, to, I'm going to go a little bit less, and I'm not going to put a positive thing spit on this. I think we were, we were, I'm 50% positive that, you know, if, we get, if we're serious about doing anything in this league, teams like Burton, especially when we dominate the game as much as we did, have to be put away. But, again, I don't know, also I don't know if the players' heads went down, I don't know, we don't know how bad it is uh, with uh, Jack Grimm's injury, which looked pretty awful and let's hope he gets back soon <laughs> from what i've heard about jack i think it's quite a lengthy time on the sidelines it's not looking good um it's not an acl is it no it's definitely calf i saw him afterwards he said it's his yeah, calf but he it's... didn't know what it was he was going for a scan on monday and i haven't seen any reports on that which is no great shocks you know we're not ones for sharing injury news but yeah it was certainly a bad one he couldn't drive um, he was smiling and yeah. talking, but um, yeah, couldn't drive. And yeah, I think it's going to be a lengthy one. I mean, considering he's been our captain for the last few games as well, I think that's a big blow for us. Uh, that could be an opportunity for Leahy to step up. I, I don't think JJ will probably slot into that. I really see JJ as a, a bit like Blooms was in his last season, where he's a bit more of a coach and using that on that sideline than kind of than than being part of the first team. But you could see like a Kia or a Leahy step up. Max Crocom, he, he had a cracking game, didn't he? And I, I actually thought this because you'd mentioned it last week, Adam, about Jamal Blackman being out. And I thought, is that to our benefit or not? Because Blackman's now and again been known for making a few mistakes and being a bit rash. And I thought, oh, that could work to our advantage. But him being out, obviously Crocom's got a point to prove and he's had a yeah. fantastic game. He's not a Sunday league footballer, contrary to Burton's. Uh, you know, beliefs because he's played for Grimsby for two seasons and done very well at a Grimsby side. So you know, you and he's been their first team goalkeeper. So you've got to, you know, you've got to take it seriously. Burton, we should have put away. We should have put it to bed, and it's completely frustrating. But we didn't. I'd gone out on social media at half time and at full time and said, "It's all great as playing this way, but we need that clinical edge," and that's exactly what we missed. And it's it's a shame because we built up such a clinical edge when we had that towards the end of the championship season and that first season back in. And we built that up because we had to. Over last season and start of this season, we've lost that. We're back to where it was in League you know, League One, where you might not necessarily have to be as clinical, but the teams that are will generally be the ones that go up. You look at Plymouth last season. And that's where that's where we really missed it. We were clinical on Tuesday against Leighton Orient, and that's why we won the games because we took we took our chances when we had them. You know, we had descriptions of the first twenty minutes being like champagne football. It was nice football. It's great, and you know we had chances because you know Vokes could have put that shot away that was well saved, and uh, you know there's a couple of others. But 
we didn't put the ball in the back of the net. So what does it matter? We've got one point, like Burton's got one point. You know, Burton had only scored one goal in the 90-something minute before to, before the game. They didn't look like scoring at any point during that during that game. You know, we, we really should have won that. So it is frustrating, and I don't know what it is about Saturdays. I just wish we didn't joke about it months ago now because I feel like we've built something up that uh, probably didn't need to exist. But, like, you know, it's having that adaptability and that plan and it's something, right, you know, when we brought Philip, uh, sorry, when we brought Hanlon on later on, again, we're hoofing the ball up to Brandon Hanlon. That's not how Brandon Hanlon plays. Why are we doing that again? It didn't work against Exeter. Why are we doing it against Burton? So, you know, whether or not he's off to Wrexham, I don't know, but if he's to stay, we need to work to his, you know, to his abilities, not just think, you know, hoof the ball up and hope for the best. We've clearly got the plan A. We're working on plan A. We need to uh, finesse plan B clearly based on what we saw in the second half. Mm. I think we might need a plan C uh, and a D and an E maybe even. I just think what we saw when uh, Hanlon came on and putting Phillips up top as well, it just didn't get the result that we were we were looking for and that we needed as well because we, we could see that Burton were tiring. They came to us. I mean, they came to us on Saturday and, and they were gunning for that point. They were going to be absolutely delighted to leave HP12 with that point. They left successfully with that point because, as Adam said, they were really well organized well drilled you know as to be expected from a Dino Mamaria side that did very well to recover last season i just don't think hanlon and phillips was the was the solution to it I agree with you adam i think tj would have definitely uh, been able to have made some sort of impact right. definitely would have got him on a lot was said about the first 10 15 20 minutes of the game the less said about the last 10 minutes of the game the better it was very much a kind of uh, you know yeah, a bit of a nervous stretch. But when we ran out of ideas in the second half, it looked like we could have played for another day or so and we would have had the same problem. I think the problem you've got is, is the fact that we played that, you know, we played really good football for the first 20 minutes because Burton didn't expect it. Burton then started working us out. When you've got someone experienced like Brayford at the back, he's going to work things out quite quickly. They're going to adapt and they're going to shift things to make sure it doesn't continue that way. And that's why they grew into the game. That's exactly That's exactly what's happened there. Um, but the thing is, we as, as you said, we didn't have a plan B or C to kind of go, right, this is how we counter that again, change our shape and shift around. You think with the level of versatility that we've got now that we should we should have the, you know, the the gear to be able to do that. So, you know, that that's that's probably what we were lacking and why, you know, we wouldn't have scored and Burton wouldn't have scored. It would have just gone nil nil, even if we were playing until now. I remembered a conversation I had with a friend of mine playing at Oxford. It must have been three or four years ago. Um, and they absolutely outplayed us. They had like 75% possession. I think we nicked a goal. I think we won it 1-0. I was chatting to my mate at the end and he said, yeah, 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 they're all very well. They're all fart and no poo. And that was exactly how I felt about Wickham on Saturday. There was some lovely football. And look, people are going to be negative because ultimately we didn't win. You can't get away from the fact there was some lovely football. And there were times actually where it was quite exciting watching us break. It's like we just lose any sense of idea, any sense of imagination when the ball gets in the box. You know, the ball gets in the box three or four times. Vokes got his head up and just rolled the ball across the goal or rolled the ball out of the box. There's no, uh, no sort of second thought about dropping your shoulder, you know, knock it past someone, have a shot, get a shot away. And, you know, it's all very well shooting from 30 or 40 yards when you're not in the box. But what's the chance of scoring, especially when the keeper's having a worldie? And for me... 
you know, all right, the Grimmer injury probably scuppered the substitute plans. Bring in TJ on, he he does that job for you. He's got a low centre of gravity. Jason McCarthy said in Coventry, the MK Dons game, that there's one player in training who he never wants to play against, and it's TJ. And if you've got somebody who plays against him every single day saying, I don't want to play against him because I don't know what he's going to do next, he's strong, he's quick, that has to be a positive. And I, I don't understand what has to happen to give him a go. And I'm not trying to be ultra critical. We haven't lost the game and there was a lot of very, very good stuff that we did there. But but surely that would have been a better substitution than the Hanlon one. And the other thing I don't understand when you're chasing a goal, why take off Vokes and Taylor and put on a winger and a midfielder in their place? It didn't make any sense. And you know, I know we're still trying to trying things out and we're still looking for these little combinations I keep talking about. But playing people out of position is not going to help us develop relationships between players get TJ on up top with Taylor or with folks let TJ jump into the hole he can turn on the ball and get the ball in to one or the other of them in front of goal and create more opportunities you know since we saw that really good substitute appearance against Cardiff and yes it was pre-season but against the championship side he was probably the brightest spark on the pitch and he was only on for 15, 20 minutes and he's not being given an opportunity. It's just bizarre. I can't make a case for why you wouldn't want your better informed players playing in a game like that. I hate being so critical, but I think they've really got to take a long, hard look at themselves, the management team, and say, we need to play a side who are going to score goals and who are going to create more chances. Andre Ainsworth, it was, it, it was clear that we didn't have a plan B. And it almost, despite the fact that Blooms has tried to change the style of play, I still think a lot of them who were there under Ainsworth, when they run out of ideas, will think, I know, let's hoof it up the pitch. But he's taken Vokes off, and, you know, that, it's just not going to work. And we've got to be mindful of that. He's got to get a plan C, simple as that. Well, on the subject of plan B, C's, D's and E's, transfer window shuts in just over a week's time. Obviously, we've done a lot of business already with 10 new signings, a number of those obviously being loans for the season. Let's be realistic for a second. Do we need anyone else right now, assuming that things don't change, assuming that Farino doesn't go, assuming that Hanlon doesn't go? Blooms has already come out and he said that even with the Grimmer injury, he's not looking at any defensive reinforcements. Is that wise to do? What would you guys do? On that proviso that we think things are going to remain the same, that the squad will be as it is when the window shuts. There may be some external factors that change that. If Al Mohamedy moves from Wimbledon, might give us a little bit more cash to dip into the window, to dip into the market before the window closes. But I genuinely think that he has got his his squad now and that he's quite happy with what he's got. Kind of agree with the defensive thing. You know, what's the point in bringing somebody in for the sake of it? Um, you've got JJ, Tafazoli, Farino, Keo. You know, but we've seen McCarthy play in the centre before. There, there's a lot of defensive reinforcements. Personally, I'd like to see him go back to a four at the back, which means that actually we need one centre-back less anyway. So I don't know if that's on his mind. But yeah, I... I I can't see us making any massive signs. You know, there's all these screams for Ikpiazu. What we have to remember is, yes, he was a very good player in that championship year, but he's a very good player playing a very different style of football. And the first chance that he got to go and improve his career, he foxtrot Oscar. So, you know, to me, we need players who want to be here. We need players who who want to play at this level. And we need players who, who, 
who fit into to Bloomfield's way of playing. And I don't know what it is about Wickham fans. You know, I look at fans of other clubs and it doesn't seem to happen, but Wickham fans just seem to, I don't know if it's laziness or just the romance of Ainsworth bringing every player that had ever played for Wickham back, but they just seem to automatically think, oh, there's an ex-Wickham player available. Let's let's sign him. You know, I saw the same with Dennis Adnerian. You know, let's let's be a little bit more imaginative. We brought in a, a head of recruitment. Let's use his contacts and let's bring in players that we actually need and that we actually want. And if Blooms feels like he needs someone or he wants someone, then I'm sure we'll go and get him. But gut feeling says, I think we're done. I think the fact that he's come out and said he's not looking for any defensive reinforcements makes me more confident that Freno's not going anywhere. Um, and also the fact that Rob said it's going to take a very vast amount of money to get you know, to get him out. We could bring him money if uh, Alhamidi goes to... I've seen championship clubs mentioned. I think that's mad considering what we saw when he was here. But I, yeah, I don't think we need anyone if you play players in the right position, as we spoke about earlier. We've got players to cover those positions as well. I just, I don't think we need anyone. But you know, like, I'm like any fan, we bring in someone decent, someone big and decent. I could be happy about it, but I don't like Adam. I have to agree. I can't see anyone coming in. I think we'll sign dev players. I think you'll see a few dev players come in on freeze and things like that where they haven't been picked up. I don't know whether Hanlon will go. I mean, it was rumour from a very credible source. Could It could happen, and if we did, I would probably bring in another attacking player. I think if we did need anyone, I would bring in someone attacking. I'm quite happy how we are defensively. I think Jolo is a very solid cover um, or you know, fighting for the first team alongside Taff, who's made a paper, Keo, who can interchange with Taff when he's not ripping himself to shreds. Farino's obviously staying and then Grimmer when he's back to fitness and all that. You know, we've we've got that versatility in defence. I'm not not so worried about that. It's a midfield, I think, you know, is good. We've got we've got some good options there. It's it's just up front. I think Vokes now what? He's thirty four. I mean I'm well I know he's just a bit older, he's nearly thirty five. Because I'm 34, so I know he's just a bit older than me. So he's starting to get alongside the older age, older kind of side of things now. And I think, you know, maybe this is the season where he's not starting every game as much as he won't like to admit that. And probably we need someone else other than a young Dale Taylor up top. Can we do a little bit of myth-busting around the uh, uh, Hamadi sell-on clause? Because a lot of people seem to think, not a lot of people, but I've just seen a lot of uh, murmurs around the fact that it could be quite a staggering fee, and that's the reason why AFC Wimbledon want £48 million for him and all that kind of stuff. Because I don't think the, we're going to get a lot for him, even if he moves. So let's do some myth-busting around that. I'm under the belief it's around 40%. That's what I've seen and heard. And I know when it was reported, when he left, it was sizable. I don't anticipate that Gareth and Dobbo or whoever was dealing with that assumed that he would have such a great second half of the season as he did. But people are paying for half a season. A bit like some people would be paying for a one-season wandering Colin Stockton. Don't think he's worth that much. I think... Wimbledon are probably going for that one because they want to keep him. Uh, they don't want to lose him. And two, if he did go, at least they'd get a chunk of the money as well. Because, you know, 40% to pay across to us is is very sizable. I mean, you think about if it's if it's a million, that's two Sean Devines. You know, that's good going in my books. 
a good friend of mine who's um, normally a good source of AFC Wimbledon news, quite quite close to the goings on there, and a season ticket holder goes home and away, um, had told me the forty percent number that he's not worth a million quid. He's probably not worth half that. To be fair to him, you know, nice kid, little bit of promise. When he played at our level, he I, I think he had one good game. I think it was Bristol City in the League Cup. Yeah, he yeah, scored well in the beginning of last yeah. season. He looked quite lively. Um, but at our level, he just looked lost. Um, he didn't look like he, he knew what runs he should be making. He didn't get involved in the play enough. I don't know whether that's the style of play that we were playing at the time. I don't know what, what Wimbledon are playing like at the moment, but I can't imagine that they're too dissimilar to what we were sort of playing. The weird thing about forwards is a lot of them find a home, do really well, move on, and then you know don't do so well. How many times have we seen it with forwards at all levels? You know, you look at Fernando Torres, ripped the world apart for Liverpool, went to Chelsea, looked like me playing up front for Chelsea. Charlton fans asking if Alfie Mays ever played football before, but scored loads of goals at Cheltenham. You know, Marcelo Trotter came in to us many, many moons ago, scored a ridiculous number of goals in a very small amount of games and then went away and had a career in Italian third-tier football. It's just really strange how particularly forwards seem to find a club, do really well, and a lot of them, a very, very high percentage of them, never really go on to um, to follow that up. So he'll, he'll be aware of that. He'll be aware of, you know, he's been at Swansea, it didn't work. He's been at Wickham, it didn't work. He's gone to AFC Wimbledon, he's had half a season where it has worked. He'll have that in the back of his mind. But, um, you know, if somebody's daft enough to go and pay a million quid for him, then, yeah, we'll have the 400 grand. Thank you very much. Unfortunate news today. Uh, news dropped that uh, our brand new shiny kits, one of the big centrepieces of all of that preseason hype, uh, has been a delayed. Uh, there's been a delayment in the fulfillment. We got a notification this morning and it reads something like this. We regret to announce further delays to the dispatch of home and away shirts due to problems with the shipment received from Hummel over the weekend. The delivery of the club's fulfillment partner contained a multitude of errors which have required extra time for the warehouse team to process before dispatch can begin. We apologise for the delay, which is out of our control, and the team are working around the clock to correct the errors and begin fulfilment as soon as possible, and that fans will receive a notification as soon as the package has left the warehouse. Uh, not a great start to life with Hummel. Uh, obviously, we we celebrated the departure of O'Neill's. That went down well with some people and perhaps not so well with the others. Not the best look. Really, really beautiful kits. I know that I pre-ordered mine at the start of August. Not got mine yet. Kind of annoyed. You need to have your kits ready before you kick off at the start of the season. I appreciate that there. this was a deal that really took some time to get over the line. It was late in pre-season that we got the deal signed and we started planning for these kids. But still, surely this is going to hurt the potential revenue stream with this delay. Yeah, it is. You're right. Um, it wasn't just the kit deal that was uh, delayed. It was the deal with Origin as well. You know, we were still scrapping around for a sponsor. So there's two reasons why we didn't have the kit ready. Uh, ideal scenario, they would have had the, the shot fall to the rafters with new kit at JJ's testimonial and would have made a fortune. I've got a couple of things to say on the kit. The first thing is that this isn't the first time it's happened. The last two kit suppliers we had numerous problems with, which makes me think that there may be something a little bit deeper and something that the club haven't got right. And I think we need to look at that. Are we doing everything that we can as a football club? 
to to manage situations in the best way possible. I mean, I remember the season just coming out of COVID and I ordered Lockie the goalkeeper kit for his Christmas present uh, and I ordered it in like October. And the first week of December, the kit arrived, kids' socks, kids' top with all sop on the back and adult shorts. And I phoned the club and said, you know, what's gone on? They basically turned me and said, well, we didn't have any kids, so we sent you adult shorts. It's not all Hummel. I am a believer that we knew what we were signing up to when we went with Hummel. They make some very, very, very attractive football kits. Um, But almost every club who have used them have had supply issues. And the supply issues hasn't only been for supporters, by the way. It's been for players as well. Um, I know for a fact there were some delays with the um, with the players' kit, with the travel kit, you know, the hoodies and stuff like that. So we knew what we were signing up to. Um, longer term, look, in a year's time, we're going to forget that this has ever happened and, and we're going to be looking at it and saying, yeah, we've all got our nice shiny new kits and, and it won't be a problem. The frustration for me is that I am sure somewhere, either the trust or the club, has a promise or a guarantee that our home kits will last two years. For whatever reason, couldn't happen last year. That's absolutely fine. But you're giving people a £2 discount to order shirts early. And the shirts actually aren't aren't even arriving early. You know, they're, they're going to end up rolling into the second month of the season. I look at my own situation. I've only got one kid. But, but last season, you know, he had the home shirt, the away shirt, and all the goalkeeper shirts, plus the shorts and socks. You're spending four or five hundred pounds. You know, he wants to spend another four or five hundred pounds this year and buy his kits, and he still hasn't got them. He spent his own pocket money on the um, on the home shirt, and he still hasn't got it. Um, you know, he wants to go. We're going away next week, and he wants to go away wearing his Wickham shirt proudly, and you know, shouting about Wickham wherever we go. And he's absolutely gutted that he's not going to have his kit. I think the club and the trust need to take a very, very careful look at what's gone on. The club needs to be very, very careful that they're not alienating people here. People won't spend money if they don't have to. And if they don't feel like they're getting good value for money, particularly in the middle of a cost of living crisis, they're not going to buy it. And uh, the club needs to be very, very careful how they manage this. I accept that there's probably an issue in Hummel's side and in the supply side that we just can't control. But I also think the club needs to look at the way that they manage things and take a look at the whole retail arm because it's it, it's probably the second most profitable part of the business and we don't seem to be able to manage it properly. I don't know uh, what percentage of culpability goes to who really because if you look at last season, Hummel had persistent problems because I think the stockists went bust. I don't know whether that was the case or not, but I do remember... Um, the owner of Hashtag United, who worked with Hummel, uh, coming out very publicly and saying, well, they've stopped working with them because the stockists refuse to pay them profit um, for, for legal reasons. I'm just going to go on what I believe I saw on the video. So uh, that's not actually me saying that's gospel. I don't want to get sued. Um, but, you know, Hummel then know that they've got a problem with the UK stockists. So you would think that there would be look for assurances to make sure that, that that is rectified going forward as adam says you you know you don't learn from your mistakes until you, until you make them to understand what the mistakes are um it just doesn't feel like they've learned from their mistakes it's frustrating um i don't think the statement is great because um it says due to problems with the shipment received from hubble 
which means there's a quality issue. Um, so why is there a quality issue? Uh, they obviously don't feel that they're saleable, so we need to understand why they don't feel they're saleable and what Hommel are going to do to rectify that. Um, if you look at the rest of them, you know, delivery contained a multitude of errors um, for the why. I mean, what are these issues? Are they wrong sizes? Are they wrong quality? You know, what what is it? But I don't think we should probably put as much blame on the club here. Looking at the statement, if you if you read between the lines, um, it's frustrating from a club's perspective, and obviously it does look like the Origin deal, as you say, Adam has, has held everything up. Um, I'm not sure kind of like the background to it, but I would have believed that they would have said, right, we want X amount from Dreams. Dreams have had first offer to go, no, see you later. And then obviously, but, you know, have someone in the backup, I guess. That's, that's probably a, a different way of approaching it. It's a shame because obviously it would be great for us to all be stood out there on the, hum, you know, wearing our Hummel kits in the stands and I can't wait to get my hands on the uh, green and white one. Um, but, you know, if we have to wait, we have to wait, I guess. it's. Uh, but I, I don't think too much blame should be put on the club here because it, it reading that statement today, it seems like there is uh, quite a few issues with Hummel that they need to rectify. Our wait for kits at the next home game will continue. One thing that we will hopefully have will be chips. Uh, the club have taken some pretty big steps forward in pre-season to improve the overall match day experience. The problem is, is not many people seem to be coming to Adams Park at the moment. We are only three home games into the season, but there is a worrying, noticeable trend. And that is really that average home attendances have been low, much lower than this time last season. Uh, look, now we're realistic, right? We've discussed this before. We've discussed how we can drum up. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last minute winner? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. For more support and awareness for the club on previous podcasts, we know that we'd be in the bottom half of League Two average attendances. It's not really a new problem. However, uh, these numbers that I'm about to give you are worrying. So the average for the first three home games this season has been 4,729. Compare that to this time last season, the first three games of last season and that was 5467 
guys, that's a 14% drop. You know, that's a big deal. Now, let's, let's add in some caveats, okay? And just to clear things up, the away sides for the first three games last season were Burton, who we've also played, uh, Shrewsbury and Charlton. Now, Charlton usually bring a pretty good following whenever they come, but you can't say the same for Burton or Shrewsbury. They're not bringing bumper crowds. Some other factors already mentioned earlier on, um, cost of living crisis, that's not going to help a lot of people. Uh, last uh, last season's performance, the fact that we finished where we were, where we did, I guess probably wasn't going to help the early performance. You know, we need to start winning some games to get people to Adams Park. There is also one other thing that I want to mention as well, and that is, and I really hate to say it, and I, I feel like I'm talking about my nan here, and it is the diminishing quality of facilities at Adams Park. Now, I know someone, I'm not going to name names, they went to Adams Park with their wife last season. It was a winter fixture. And uh, the wife said that she's not going to go to another game at Adams Park because the women's toilets were just what they were. This isn't a problem that that we would have had 10, 15 years ago. So the facilities are dropping a little bit and it is very, very concerning. Now, as I said, efforts have been made to improve the experience and the atmosphere. We're all doing everything we can, club, fans. What's going wrong? Uh, Yeah, just to defend the club a little bit, they have spent a little bit of money um with whiff away in improving some of the toilet facilities and i know that there are plans to uh to spend a bit more money and all the fiddlassing about with the uh the trust deal with rob pre- prevented a lot of the capital expenditure that he wanted to uh to carry out actually happening so i'm i'm sure that the facilities will will fall into line with where they should be pretty soon um it's just a shame that we've missed uh we've missed the boat this season I'm not too worried. I'll tell you why I'm not too worried. Just having a little, a deeper look into it. Um, earlier, Charlton brought nearly 1,800 last season. But also, there are a couple of things that we need to build in. First of all, last year was a funny year because it was that first year that absolutely everybody was going away. There were no restrictions with going away after COVID. There were no restrictions with going abroad. People were a bit more confident about going abroad. Also, last year, the school holidays in Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire matched much closer. So there was a much smaller gap where everybody was away. Whereas this week, I think there's a three week. I think Oxfordshire broke up three weeks earlier or go back through or something like that. So there's a much bigger window of people being on holiday. When you take into account that the start hasn't been great, the end of last season wasn't great. We beat Burton 3-0 first game of last season, which would have encouraged a few people to come back. You know, you also build into the fact that, you know, we brought in 10 new players that people don't necessarily know about. Um, the weather's been absolutely dog awful. You know, all, all, all of those things together paint a picture. The other thing that you have to remember, and I keep sort of trying to outline this to to my friends who, who I talk to about Wickham, you look at where Wickham is and around us, you, you know, you can travel 30 miles in any direction. You can watch the lights. All right, Reading are in our division, so we'll exclude those. But Watford, Luton are now in the Premiership. QPR, Brentford are now in the Premiership with a brand new stadium. Chelsea. Um, even if you go a bit further afield, you know, you're talking about teams like Southampton is now more accessible. Now they've dropped into the Championship. You know, you go to the other side of London, you've got people like QPR, Leighton Orient are making a resurgence. There are all sorts of reasons why people might not travel to a Wickham game. And what we have to do as a club is make it as good a place to be as possible. I still can't get my head around why the Frank Adams stand, you can go and buy a burger and chips, 
but in a family stand that's full of kids, you have to have pie and mash. It doesn't make any sense. There is somebody at the football club who is making some very, very bad decisions. I was trying to find a lunchbox for Little and Earlier, and I typed in Wickham Wanderers Lunchbox into uh, into Twitter, and it came up with an advert from 2017 in a game. Funny enough, I think that was against Burton. Um, and they were actually supplying lunchboxes for kids with, you know, a sandwich, crisps and a drink, and it was five quid or whatever. You know, why not bring something like that back and actually make it easy for people to come down? Somebody who goes to every home and every away game, I kind of shrug, or every away game that I can, I kind of shrug my shoulders and just put up with it. But looking at it from a parent's point of view, why on earth would I take my children somewhere where the toilets are disgusting, the the food choices are awful, unless you want to buy pie and mash, which is going to cost you 15 quid, your kids are going to spill everywhere and they're likely not going to like it. And thirdly, where everybody in the stadium at the moment seems to be bloody moaning. Yeah, I'm I'm sat in my seat at a home game and the person behind me in the family stand is moaning quite aggressively. And I, if I were a new fan to Wickham, I wouldn't go back. And that sounds super critical, but I wouldn't go back. The reason that I go back is because I'm invested in it and Littland's invested in it and I love it to bits. But the stadium is tired. The food choices are appalling. You can't spend money in the shop on a new kit. There are better places to go. And I go because I'm invested in it, because I love the club and because he loves the club. But for those people who are on the periphery who are thinking, I've got 20 quid to spend, what am I going to do? Am I going to go and sit in the cold and the rain at Adams Park or am I going to take the kids to the cinema? Most people are going to take the kids to the cinema. I think as well, you've got to take into the fact that running up to the first game of the season, the hype was at fever pitch, basically. They were, everyone was going, you know, everyone was really positive going into the first game. They got a hammer blow in that first game. We've papered over the, cla- uh, over the cracks against MK. And they got another hammer blow on the following Saturday. And for performances aside, the results. We flattered to deceive a lot, although it was it was better against um, it, in the midweek game, and then again we and then we go and score another. Sorry, don't score against a team that we comfortably beat at home last season. Now, as I say, all performances aside, that initial hope that we had going into the season has just been completely lost because of that start. And like you say, people who w- went to the first game thinking this is going to be brilliant, uh, they probably haven't come back. Simple as that. And like you say, there's a lot of facilities around the ground which are bad. But I just I do think a lot of it is down to the atmosphere and the fact that it was so positive and then it just got smashed in the first week of the season. If you have a look at the comparison to last season, uh, we'd just come off the back of a playoff final. Um, so we know the hype was at fever pitch this year, but obviously we we come off the back of a very exciting end to the season last year. So, you know, it would build from there. But if you look further back than that, when we I look back to the early 2000s and some of the attendances, we were regularly getting six, 7,000 a game um, back then. And since then, we've I know we've dropped down into League Two, uh, League Two at some point, but we've we've not ever recovered what, where we were 20 years ago. Um, just as an, uh, a bit of quick maths, that 14% drop is equivalent. If you look at an average ticket price, bearing in mind, obviously kids pay three quid in a family stand and there's different prices across the ground. 
you're looking around circa between 400 and 450,000 pound loss compared to average attendances previous season if you continue on that vein you know that's a significant significant loss uh so they need to do something to change that Adam, you made the point there about the fact that you've got clubs nearby and you're right, you know, we've got Luton, Watford, Brentford, Fulham and the fact that we don't have an attractive enough proposition really at the moment with the ground being a bit tired. But actually, I think as well, and this is probably partly down to the fact that Rob is obviously now looking elsewhere, but the the awareness in Wickham as a whole is low. I We are tucked away at the back of an industrial estate in Sands uh, I tell you now, I bet most people in Wickham won't even couldn't even tell you where we were, and most of them will support Premier League teams if you ask them things like that, or, or they'll just rather sit and watch someone on the telly. Where's You've got the post-pandemic the exodus of people from London as well, looking in places like Wickham, you know, who are coming? They're yeah. Chelsea fans. There's not a massive football stadium on the M40, so they don't even know that we're there. And, exactly. um, and yeah, yeah, I think you make some good points. It's, it's it's exactly so where's the base awareness um work and i think problem is and i go back to what i was saying about rob looking elsewhere is at the moment i don't think he will want to spend money on raising awareness when at the moment he's got a club that is performing above its means um it's got a core fan base of around four thousand people that are going to turn out week in week out no matter what down to three thousand five hundred when it's crap on a tuesday you know, 2,500 extra people in that stadium is equivalent to £1.4 million of revenue over the season. 2,500 isn't many people. Just a little bit of effort to get just that much more in the is town a big of well over 100,000. Yeah, exactly. Spend, spend 600k on the facilities right off the tax because it's capital expenditure get 2,500 people through the gate by being a little bit sensible with you're offering as a whole, not just ticket prices, but price of food, and you still make 600 grand. It's just... Exactly. Basic, you think about how much that 2,500, put those 2,500 people coming consistently in over that period of time, that could bring the ground back up to where it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's and that's what we've got to be thinking about longer picture. The problem is we, we have an owner at the moment that isn't probably looking longer term, but that's what we need right now. And that's and to be honest with you, to make us more of a attractive proposition, that's probably where he needs to have his focus. I think a good way for us to uh, to really shine a light on the club and where we are is uh, probably to start winning some games, right? So with that in mind, we now look ahead to our next two games. This Saturday, we travel to the West Country for another round with Joey Barton and his Bristol Rovers side, looking to continue our fine run of form, having only lost once against the gas since 2015. But it's arguably our return to League Cup action that's more anticipated. This coming Tuesday's visit of Sutton United marks our first fixture of any kind against the Amber and Chocolates since a memorable FA Trophy semi-final victory over 30 years ago. Guys, let's talk at Bristol Rovers first. Uh, Joey Barton's probably going to come out and say he knows exactly what to expect from us. Um, but do we? What are you expecting to see this Saturday? Damo's best mate, the return oh, of Joey oh, Barton. <laughs> we, said, we, said, we said in the previous weeks that we don't know what's, what's going to come from our team. Uh, Joey Barton just... I just have this... I, I have the MK Donald's Adam Cooper level hate 
for Joe Barton because I just despise everything about him. But I'm not going to go on a rant because obviously I haven't got the same articulation that Adam has, but I just can't stand the guy. And the fact that he, whenever he talks, I just think, you know, the bloke who punched him in the club, I wanted to be him. <laughs> but aside from that, he's going to think we're going to play like everything. Like club managers have already said that this season. They think they know what's coming with us. Every manager is going to say that because they still think we're under Ainsworth almost. Um, and uh, Leopard can't change his spots. Bloom's trying to change us. I think we might surprise them on Saturday. I really do. And as the club has said, we've got a shiny new red kit, so they're not going to know what's coming. Yeah, I think they've had a bad start as well, haven't they? And when you look at the money that they've spent, um, had a really bad start. Uh, five points from four games. Their last win was... 7th of May, which sounds really bad because obviously we've had to break in between. But to be fair, that was away at uh, at, at uh, Charlton, which is a good result. They've just lost to Cambridge. But you look at their squad, you know, they've got the likes of John Marquis, Scott Sinclair. Um, so they've got players who can hurt us. Um, and, you know, just like we've got players who can hurt them. Um, like you, Dame, I've got absolutely no time for uh, for Joey Barton whatsoever. Um I'm not going to get uh, get political about his past after what's been going on at, uh, at bigger clubs this week, but um, but yeah, I've got my own opinions on him. Um, I'd love to see us go there and win. Um, I I really would. I can't see it, but I'd love to see us go there and win. All, all that we can hope is, as we were saying last week, you know, just a little improvement every single week. And by the time we get to that eight or ten game stage, we're going to be we're going to be firing on all cylinders. But um, yeah, a win would be would be lovely down there, particularly with how they've pissed us about with um, with tickets and ticket prices and stuff. You know, there's no seats available, so elderly and disabled people are not going to be able to to go down there. People with kids are not going to want to stand on an uncovered terrace. They're charging twenty six quid for the pleasure. It really just paints a picture of the sort of club that we're dealing with. I'm actually down in the West Country um, at the weekend, visiting my father-in-law down in Devon, and I'm not, I'm not going. And that's just because I don't want to take Little and to sit on that open terrace and be spat on by the animals sitting above him. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be giving it a miss on Saturday, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, let's hope we can get three points. We've got a break that's our Saturday duck somehow, and we do like beating Bristol Rovers, so. I'm I'm a little bit more hopeful for this one. I think Joey Barton's got a level of arrogance about him where um, I think he'll just expect that he could just turn up um, and he's got the players to do it. If he does, then great. But we've got to we've got to be clinical. Um, something's got to shift on uh, from last Saturday. I really, really am begging for TJ to have a start. I just think what a difference he could make. Uh, just just see how he does or. At a bare minimum, come on after like 55 minutes or something like that and just literally pepper their defence for the last last part of the game. This this is the chance to, to come out and do it, but then we, we said that against Burton last weekend. But I just think Bristol Rovers are one of those where they will go out and they'll try and play football. I feel Burton at the moment, obviously they were, they were obviously bottom of the league, no points. Quite a few goals conceded. They were just happy to get a point on the board. I think Bristol Rovers will be going out looking for the win, and that's where I feel we can break them on the counter a bit more. We've got the pace to do it. We've got the ability to do it. We just need to put away our chances. I probably feel it's going to be a bit similar to when we played Leighton Orient. I'd like to hope so as well. Um, 
so we'll see. Um, I mean, as I say, we you know we haven't lost against them since twenty. Well, we've had a good run since twenty fifteen, really, bar one game in twenty eighteen. But you know, you you you've got to be positive. Um, I think you know we've seen the signs of it growing. So you've seen the signs of the team getting kind of back together again, and back together again. They've they've only just started, but um, you know, kind of working out the combinations and working out how to to, to play with each other. And I think that'll be a massive difference. So full week training as well. I think I'm right in saying that's the first time this uh, this season that we've not had that that Tuesday game where obviously your Monday training is affected, your Wednesday where tend to, to have a day off yeah. on Wednesday anyway. Um, but, you know, this has actually been the first week where they've had a chance to actually get down and have a proper week's worth of training. So, yeah, hopefully, Dan, you're uh, you're right. With that in mind, guys, uh, what are we going prediction-wise for Saturday's game? 1-1. One, one. Again, an improvement from what I saw on Saturday. I just haven't got the confidence that that we're going to be um, we're going to be potent enough in front of goal. I would love to see TJ given some minutes, like Dan said, at, at the very, very least, giving 30, 35 minutes to to run at them at the end. But I'd love to see him start. But yeah, I think um, I think coming away with a point um, and then setting ourselves up to to break the duck at Northampton the week after. I'm going two one. And after he did so well there last season, TJ's going to get a goal. I'm going to go one nil, and I reckon Brandon Hanlon because Brandon Hanlon likes scoring against Bristol Rovers. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he yeah. does. He does. Uh, I'm going to go two one. I'm with you, Damo, and uh, I reckon we're going to see goals from uh, Dell Taylor, and I reckon Vokesy's going to get his first of the season. That's what I'm going with. A nice dirty two one. Joey's going to be absolutely fuming. Probably going to make Steven. it. Probably going to make it three games in a row where our opposition manager gets sent off. So it's going to say he'll be sent off at full time. So that'll be good. Exactly. Yeah, a, brilliant. A hat trick of sending we off. We won't have to him moaning. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Sutton. Um, what what a story this is. So old foes from the old Ismian days. Um, absolutely no idea what to expect from Matt Gray and his side, but they've done really well. Got promoted to the football league for the first time in their history, and crucially, they've been able to stay there and do pretty well. Uh, Tuesday, we're going to be reunited with Scotty Kashkit. Always welcome uh, back at Adams Park. And also Damani Mella, who's gone there on loan. He won't be playing because he's cupped up because he played against MK in the last round. Question for you guys before we get on to predictions is, you know, we know that this is a transitional year for the club, right? We're, we're building back from the foundations. We're not going, you know... If we if we hit playoffs, wonderful. If we hit automatics, we're in dreamland. But I'm I'm very firmly grounded in reality. With that in mind, if we're not going to do anything special in the league, would it be nice to do a cup run? It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it would be nice to to get a win against Sutton and then perhaps get one of the one of the big boys at home and see if we can do a job on them and then uh, you know get a really big televised away match in the fourth round. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. You know, we've got a game in front of us. It's a potential banana skin, particularly when you look back at our record in this competition um, over recent times. Um, they've actually got four ex-Wickham players in their, in their squad, as we've touched on, uh, Kashgat, Mella won't play because he's cut, he's cup-tied. Liangol, Liangol's got to be 55. I mean, I know I'm old, but he's got to be 55. Um, younger than us. At, at least. Um, and Craig Eastman as well had a, mm. had a little spell on loan with us. Um, I think he played a million games for Colchester as well, Craig Eastman. Um, 
that yeah they've not had uh, they've not had a good start at all. They've just been battered by AFC Wimbledon. Uh, one thing I will say, although they've um, they've lost three games, their goal difference is only minus one, so they obviously like a tight game. Mm. Their numbers look very very similar to ours, so I'm not expecting a uh, a five nil drubbing. I think it will be a tough game. I can't really work out how their supporters are judging this game. I can't. I can't imagine that they're too enamoured with it. Yeah, they see it as winnable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I don't think there's going to be a massive crowd there, but I'd like to think that we could get the job done. Like I say, get into the third round and uh, and see where that leaves us. I think what better way to get fans back into the club than getting get get through this game? Yeah, like like uh, Adam says, it could be a banana skin, but get a big get a big name in the next round. Promote the club. Or a smaller and name, it, somebody like Man United at home, somebody like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, put it this way, someone in a higher division than us that might get a bit of attention. They'll get a good away following as well, but we then promote the club and they may come back on a Saturday if, if we do well in the Cup. But the own goal for the Sutton game is the closure of Frank Allen's the family stand, I think, personally. It's the best stand in the, in the, in the ground. Uh, maybe not for atmosphere with the terrace, but for views and to promote the club, it's the best stand in the ground and we've closed it. I can understand it's from a security perspective, but do you know what I'd actually do? I'd split the Frank Adams up a little bit and just have one stand open. If you're not expecting that many, just have the Frank Adams open. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the problem with the origin stand is that since we've got those new dugouts, like kids can't go in the terrace since we've got those new dugouts you can't i mean i'm six foot seven and i struggle to see over the dugouts sat on the front three or four rows so you're going to have a load of kids sat in the origin stand who can't see that is a massive own goal um yeah like you said dan you know if we're not expecting loads of Sutton fans either open the away end for people who want to go somewhere with their kids keep the terrace open and open the origin and stick them in the corner of the origin or just open the frank adams i don't I really don't understand it. It's a massive own goal. You know, it's the it's the summer holidays. It's coming to the end of the summer holidays, so people will be happy to take their kids. And it, it just seems a ridiculous decision that we're going to stick people with children in a stand where it's highly likely their kids won't be able to see. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it must be down to costs and things like operational costs. I don't know. Um, Sutton United, obviously, it's going to be a tough game. I think. They, as you said, they like a tough game, but uh, a tight game. Sorry, but if you look back to previous cup years when we've played Walsall, Hartlepool, and Tranmere, we thought, oh, they're winnable games, and we've ended up losing and going out of the cup. So you know that could exactly happen against Sutton. I think Bloomfield's probably got to focus on the cup based on MK Dons. If you look at that, he's put a decent squad out. He's got a win, and I think depending on what how Saturday goes, I think that will probably shape how we line up on Tuesday. Um, personally, I think it's winnable. I think I'd be very disappointed if we didn't win it. Um, and on the third round, I would like a really big Premier League team away to a ground that I haven't been before, so I can actually go to a nice new ground, preferably Tottenham Hotspur. But let's see. I think we talk about you know the things that we've talked about the the low attendances, making sure that we get the best experience possible, making sure that we get some kids and turn them into you know Cooper's kids and turn them into devout Wick and Wanderers fans for the rest of their lives. Put them in the shirts, give them the chips, not the pie and mash. Um, I think if we can win this game and preferably for me get a home tie against one of the big sides, gives you a really good opportunity to get the kids there. 
see you know the heroes of hp12 get them into the club hopefully have some shirts on sale because you know if, if we do the unthinkable and cause a massive upset even if we perform you know valiantly and do a bit of a rocky and go out on our shields you know that's going to turn some you know it's going to make some fans so i'd really like to see us go and uh reunite with sutton and uh make sure that we leave uh with a win uh, before we go guys what are our predictions for that game against sutton four nil let's go for it Ooh. I'm going to go old school Sucre M. 10-1. 10-1. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to go slightly more realistic. I think it's going to go all the way. Yeah, I think we might be uh, be talking next week about how much we love Max Strick. 22-21 on penalties. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 1-0. TJ. There we go. Nice. Um, that's it. We will see. Uh, what happens on Saturday and on Tuesday. But for now, that will do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.